following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. My name is Gail Iverson, and I'm filling in for Mark tonight. He's uh, on a retreat up at Arrow River near Thunder Bay, and he will be back next Friday. We're going to continue for the last um, number of weeks. We've been talking about the seven factors of enlightenment, and tonight we're going to continue uh, on that topic. And the topic, we're on the sixth factor, which is concentration. So just to review briefly, we started out talking about mindfulness. That's the first factor. And mindfulness is the moment-to-moment awareness of our experience, opening opening to it without judgment and without interference. So mindfulness is the factor that balances the mind. Then the next three factors of enlightenment, which are energy, investigation, and rapture, um, those are arousing qualities. They bring energy to the practice. So investigation, we investigate the nature of our experience. We don't take it for granted. We don't take it for granted that we um, are actually, well, so, so often we're on automatic pilot and we're not actually aware of our experience, what's happening in the moment. So we bring to this, to our meditation and to our daily activity, we bring this sense of um, it's not a not a trying to figure things out, but it's more of a reflective attitude towards experience. Not trying to get an answer, but really to keep inquiry alive. So investigation is this willingness to and this interest in um, knowing what's true, to knowing experience as it actually is. The next factor is rapture. And this is having an interest, a joy, and delight in our experience. Um, In his book, um, which I've forgotten the title of for the moment, Jack (laughs) Jack Cornfield's book, um, Thank you, A Path with Heart. (laughs) Not with mind, with heart, anyway. He says, 
It's learning to live and practice with a light heart. The quality of rapture is an ease and openness of the mind that receives with interest every kind of circumstance. I was listening to some tapes a while ago um, by Pema Chodron called entitled Awakening Compassion. And she is very much emphasizes this bringing this curiosity to our practice and to our um, daily life. And so she's, she said, and, and to, to bring, it's, it's an interest in everything. It's not excluding anything. I mean, we are obvious that we have interests in things, but she said, so, you know, like when we're walking down the street, we can notice like the patterns of the, there, there's interesting patterns on the sidewalk, just the way the, um, there's kind of like little stones and grains and things. And we, we don't, you know, generally we are thinking about where we're going when we're walking down the sidewalk or maybe we're thinking about something that happened in the past. So she was really emphasizing this thing of being interested in, um, in what was happening in the present. And um, she also said, she said, like for instance, when you... Um, flush the toilet, you should be interested on whether it's going to go down or up. <laughs> have that kind of not taking things for granted. So that, I don't know, that really struck me as, I mean, that's a, that is really bringing a lot of curiosity to our daily activity. And, you know, it's just kind of a, a thing of not taking things so seriously, but just having this kind of playful curiosity. So those are the three arousing, energizing factors. There's investigation, effort, and I think I failed to talk about effort. So effort is this um, intention to be continuously mindful of our experience. Whatever is happening at the moment, we just bring this gentle kind of effort to, to an intention to be as continuously aware as we can. And of course, it, it takes a lot of practice. We, this brings in this willingness to begin again over and over again. But um, that's the intention. So those are the, the three arousing qualities of um, the seven factors, investigation, effort, and rapture. And then the next three qualities are stabilizing qualities. And those are tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. So
tranquility arises when we are willing to let go of controlling things. And once that we, after we have um, developed this interest and curiosity, then there's kind of a, a stabilizing, quieting aspect that um, that can arise. Um, this serenity or tranquility. So the next factor that we're going to be primarily focusing on tonight is concentration. And we touched on you know, some of the aspects of developing this um, in the meditation tonight. I was listening to a talk recently by Gil Fransdahl, and he was kind of comparing mindfulness and concentration um, sometimes in practice some teachers will emphasize concentration more and some teachers will emphasize mindfulness more um, he talked about this partnership of mindfulness and concentration and he said that when the Buddha talked about um, concentration, he often used images, or he often used the um, verb of to touch, of touching. That was, his images had more to do with touching things. And when he talked about mindfulness, um, he more often used the verb of, of seeing. Um, so, and actually if we look at the, at the definitions of the um, poly words for um, for this seeing and for mindfulness and for concentration, we can see that um, that's is their roots um, relate to this seeing and touching. In vipassana, um, pasana means seeing, and v means through. So it's this idea of seeing things clearly, of seeing through things, of seeing things as they actually are. And um, samadhi, which is the Pali word for concentration, um, sama means to stand, and d means with. So this is for the idea of the standing with, of being composed, uh, having a stability, and um, having actually in um, in the Christian religion, they use a a word uh, recollection, 
And it doesn't mean remembering or thinking about things from the past. It, it means to recollect the mind. So the mind is, has a habit of being scattered. And so um, with this recollection, we bring it back. Um, we concentrate it. Um, we compose it. So that's um, samadhi has this quality of um, composure and stability. But also sometimes when we think of in, in English, when we think of the word concentration, we sometimes you know kind of think of knitting our brow and like really sort of digging in. But this kind of concentration, it, it's really um, more soft and agile. It has a more soft and agile quality to it. Many of the images that the Buddha used when he was talking about concentration had a quality. He talked. He used images of water or of moisture, and this is one of the. This is one of the things that he he talked about. He talked about the um, used this image of um, of lake when he was talking about the um, developing concentration and also um, right concentration is the eighth step of the uh, eightfold noble path so here he's talking about uh, really deep concentration right concentration he says just as if there were a lake whose waters welled up from below, having no inflow from the east, west, north, or south, not yet replenished from time to time with showers from the skies, then the cool fount of the lake welling up, the cool fount of water welling up from the lake would make the cool water drench deep, fill and extend throughout the lake, and there would be nothing of the whole lake to which the cool water did not extend. So too, the practitioner makes happiness and pleasure born of concentration, drench deep, fill and extend throughout this body, so that there is nothing of the whole body to which they do not extend. So, this deeper levels of concentration, it's this idea of that it pervades the, the entire body and that as a result of this there is a pleasant 
happiness and happiness that just naturally arises. Um, when the mind settles down and is not so scattered here and there, it naturally, the, the natural calmness and balance of it um, is present. We, because the, the hindrance is what's covering up this natural composure of the mind and this natural happiness, um, then that's revealed. And um, there's this pleasantness and uh, happiness that pervades our being. So if we're slanting our practice a little more towards concentration, it's really helpful if we um, prepare ourselves for practice. That's why, like at the beginning of practice, we can um, bring some gratitude to mind. Um, perhaps, as, as I mentioned, maybe just being grateful for um, those who have kept the practice alive, or whatever thoughts help to um, to bring that gratitude, because that helps to um, bring contentment to the mind. And then when the mind has this contentment, then we're more easily able to relax and be composed and, um, and to become um, more concentrated. So just like to read this poem from Mary Oliver, where she talks about um, gratitude. She says, the place I want to get back to is where in the pine woods, in the moments between the darkness and first light, two deer came walking down the hill, and when they saw me, they said to each other, okay, this one is okay. Let's see who she is and why she's sitting on the ground like that, so quiet, as if asleep or in a dream, but anyway harmless. So they came on their slender legs and gazed upon me, not unlike the way I go out to the dunes and look and look and look into the faces of the flowers. And then one of them leaned forward and nuzzled my hand. And what can my life bring to me that could exceed that brief moment? For 20 years I have gone every day to the same woods, not waiting exactly, just lingering. Such gifts bestowed can't be repeated. If you want to talk about this, come to visit. I live in the house near the corner, which I have named Gratitude. So, developing this practice of, of being grateful for, um, it can be just for the ordinary, we, we have a, a lot of um, just ordinary things in our life that um, we're just very blessed. 
And oftentimes we get so busy we don't really reflect on those and um, bring them to, to mind. Um, a few years ago I was going through a difficult time in my life and I decided that each morning I would go out and take a walk and on that walk I would practice. I would just reflect on, bring to mind things that I was grateful for in my life. And I would just walk in my neighborhood. So I did this for a while and one day I decided that I would go um, walk down a a different street that I didn't normally walk down. And I walked down this street and I walked by this house. I don't know if I'd walked by it before, but I had never noticed. In the front yard um, by the the steps, there were two very large statues of Quan Yin, who is the goddess of compassion. And I, it was just like, I, I just felt so grateful for um, having encountered them and just sort of a connection like I mean there there was obviously someone else in my neighborhood who was um, very interested in um, in this kind of uh, love and compassion and uh, so if, and so I could carry that with me and when I would think about that um, when things were difficult, that, that just gave me, brought a real contentment and, and gratitude to to my mind. So you can think of something, things from your own life that really have touched you, like the um, the deer coming up to, um, to Mary Oliver and nuzzling her hand. That can sort of set this tone of contentment and um, quietude for when we sit down to practice. So we prepare our minds when we're going to do concentration practice. It's really helpful. And then we can uh, prepare our bodies as well. So if we're going to, like for instance, if we're going to meditate in the morning, we can um, we might want to do something to, to energize the body a little bit so we're not too sleepy when we sit down. So maybe just some stretching, just a few minutes of stretching or um, whatever kind of exercises uh, helps our body and mind to sort of um, be alert but also relaxed. Um, If we're going to uh, practice later in the day, uh, it's often good to just take a little time to prepare Usually, if we've been busy with our daily activities, when we sit down, our minds are kind tend to be kind of a little more agitated, a little busier. So we can just maybe take a walk around the block before we sit down. Um, that way we don't put so much pressure on, the, um, on our abilities to concentrate. We already have some contentment and some relaxation when we sit down. Then when we do sit down, um, it's it can be really helpful to 
um, count the breaths. It can help us from drifting away and from um, we sometimes we kind of think that we're more concentrated than we are kind of fool ourselves and so by um, counting the breaths we really know moment by moment that we're present and we know when we've drifted away in some practices like in um, Tibetan practice that's a, a practice that often develops a lot of concentration and they'll use um, visualizations and um, mudras they'll move the hands in certain ways and they also will uh, chant and those three things brought together can really bring concentration to the mind so one thing you might want to try that I've my first teacher, Shenzhen Young, um, taught me and that I found to be helpful is in counting the breath, um, sometimes I'll just either put my mind, as, as I'm counting the breath, put my mind in my fingers, just a very slight, or sometimes just a very slight pressure. It's kind of the same thing as a mudra. And that's a kind of a third thing. So we're um, you know, we're counting that that's sort of the um, getting the hearing involved, and um, with the the feeling, um, we can actually it's just another anchor that can help us to to be present. It it kind of depends. Different people have. I'm kind of a, a kinesthetic person, so. I think that's especially important to me. But, you know, maybe for some people, maybe it's visualizing the numbers or something. But anyway, it, as much of the mind as we can involve in this process um, can really be helpful in, um, in establishing our, our concentration. And, but also, it, it's kind of like it's not, um, it's not like we're exactly either trying to get concentrated um, that can cause more tension, but we're sort of doing these things so that we're setting the stage so that concentration is most likely to happen. Um, so Each time that we exhale, there's a relaxation that occurs in the body. And we can be aware of this relaxation filling our whole body. Um, and this is pleasant, and this awareness helps to relax the body and the mind. And when we are relaxed and present, then there's a gladness that arises and um, we can dwell there. With this continuous being with the breath, the negative unwholesome mind states um, don't arise. 
or if they do arise, they can be more quickly let go of. So we have this one-pointed focus. For instance, we've chosen the breath as our object of meditation. But it's not, I mentioned, clinging or forcing the mind. It's a gentle resting there and creating this stability. And it's a willingness to let go of, of everything except the movement of the breath and the body. So we let go of sounds, and we let go of thoughts, and we let go of other sensations in the body. And we cultivate this gentle and happy, peaceful clarity with the process of breathing in and out. Each breath arises and passes away, and we can celebrate this aliveness of the world of breathing. So it and even if sometimes if the breath feels tight or is shallow or it's a little uncomfortable, there still be this quality of relaxation at the end of the exhalation. And we can tune into that, and that pleasantness at the end of the exhalation can bring us to a more relaxed, pleasant place. So we're willing to let go of our normal way of planning and judging and um, remembering. And we don't really miss out on anything by not thinking about the past or the future for this period of time. The practice clears and stabilizes the mind so that we can, when we go back to our normal activity, we can bring a um, clarity uh, and a new perspective to our situation um, after this period of practice. And we, oftentimes we can have a more, it can help us to have um, more creativity, offer us more options will, be, will arise in the mind. So we're not really losing anything by um, giving up our planning and judging or whatever our, our habits of mind are doing. So there, there are also some things that we can do in our daily life that will help us to um, be more prepared when, when we sit down to, to meditate. That will help us to um, be more concentrated. One thing we can practice, we can sort of um, make some choices to bring to our daily living is we can choose gradually to maybe give up having doing multitasking <laughs> um, and to just to do one activity at a time. Um, so perhaps 
when we're driving the car from time to time, we can just drive the car rather than turning on the radio or um, just or thinking about where we're going or where we've been. We can just bring our mind to the actual driving of the car. So there's basically just um, three things that are involved. We're seeing, we're hearing, and we're feeling. And we can just, whenever the mind starts to think about where we're going or where we've been or just things, thoughts that aren't involved with the actual um, activity of driving, can gently let go of those and, and refocus our, our mind just on the seeing, hearing, and feeling that's present in that particular activity. A couple of weeks ago, I, I'm of the age now where I get a discount on my uh, in driving, in, on my insurance, my car insurance, if I take a defensive driving class. So I took this defensive driving class. Actually, I wasn't looking too much forward to it. I thought it was going to be boring, but the man who taught it was really quite good. It turned out to be quite an interesting, I'm pleasantly surprised. But one of the things that he talked about, one of the things that they recommended was to um, look in your mirrors every three to five seconds. Um, look in your rear view and your side view mirrors. And I had heard that you know, many years ago. I think I had heard that. And I remember at the time thinking, well, that would just be agitating. You know, you're constantly looking, 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 looking. <laughs> and, but, this time I heard, and I thought, well, you know, that would be an interesting thing to try. And so for the last couple of weeks, I, I've been doing that when I drive, um, just looking every few seconds. And it's amazing how relaxing that is. Because you are just present with moment by moment you're just present with the driving and but also it, it, it in your awareness is is greater because I mean I'm always aware of the cars that are coming up beside me I, I drive um, about 20 minutes to work in the morning on 94 I'm heading east so I'm not stopped in traffic so there's a lot of times when you know the cars are passing me and I just always am aware now. And I, I really, for the last couple of weeks, I've gotten to work more relaxed than I ever have been. So that's one, you know, just one example. We can think of many activities where, you know, we're doing more than one thing at a time. Um, eating is another thing that we can practice this with. I know it's my habit to read something, but um, more and more, uh, if I have an opportunity, if I'm not eating with other people, I'm by myself, um, just to be present with the activity of eating, um, it's, it's really very pleasant. Um, we don't 
so much of the time when we're doing all other things, we don't even really taste the food. Um, it's just sort of going in as we're digest- <laughs> digesting other thoughts and feelings. Something that can be helpful in terms of um, developing concentration, preparing for our actual sitting meditation is to do it at the same time and place. This sort of the, the mind, that helps to compose the mind to have this kind of constancy. So just this repetition of the, the same time and the same place. And, and also, if we have an established um, a regularity of practice, this can really be helpful too. Of um, We know that when it's this time, that then it, it's time for us to meditate. And the place too, if we can have a place where it's... Um, where the environment is orderly, that can also be a help to the mind. Also, preparing by um, doing some kind of chanting or ritual, um, that can also help some people, especially if you have a more devotional um, nature, bent to your nature. Just uh, chanting, I know um, I did a retreat many years ago with Bhante Gunaratana and he always started meditation practice with a metta chant and that can really be helpful in setting this stage of contentment for the mind also just to and you know, just for a few minutes to develop this quality of loving-kindness. But it's also really important not to be focused on results or to be trying to to gain something. Um, Just to because sometimes it, and especially for different people, um, sometimes the concentration, um, you know, might practice for quite a long time, and the concentration doesn't become very deep. But that's not a problem because um, there is some um, movement in that direction, and in order to do this practice, we we don't have to have this deep concentration, but it can just be helpful to um, just to make the the practice um, more pleasant and um, so that we're more interested in in, um, doing it. The After the, the Buddha, when he started his practice, he was doing very strict ascetic practices. And he had 
almost you know, the, the idea then was to subdue the body through um, you know through eating very little and sleeping very little and um, moving very little and so but he realized that uh, after a time that this wasn't going to actually bring um, the complete freedom and liberation that he was seeking. And so he remembered a time when he was a child and he had been um, sitting, his father was, uh, the king was doing a uh, harvest ritual uh, for the opening of the, um, for the beginning of harvest. And he so he and he was sitting under a rosewood tree, and he was watching this, and he just remembered how um, he had been relaxed and um, just kind of very gently aware of what was going on, but really not exactly um, focusing on anything or thinking anything. And he kind of wondered if he, he just remembered this very pleasant state that um, he had been in. And so he wondered if perhaps that wasn't uh, more of the direction. He didn't need some of more of that in um, in his uh, search for um, this freedom and liberation. And that is what he um, ended up uh, practicing more. A number of years ago, Bert, my first teacher, um, Shenzhen Young, told this story about how he, when he was 22, he went to live in this monastery in Japan uh, to, to train as a monk there. And he was young, and he was curious. He, he the meditation master you know he kind of wondered what did what did the meditation master do when he had spare time and so he had this opportunity to spy on him one day and so he um, watched what he was doing and he was sitting in his room um, and he was just um, looking at his just holding his uh, bell in his hand and looking at it. And um, Shenzhen watched him for, I wasn't quite sure how long, but for 10 minutes anyway. And that was the activity that he was doing, was just absorbed in his, looking at his bell. And... Shenzhen was, you know, was kind of surprised, but when the mind is, when the mind is content and at ease, it's really this internal, so much of our energy is put out into our external activity and to manipulating conditions and to getting the conditions to be the way that we want them. And of course, as um, lay people, we, in order for our lives to continue, we have to have a certain amount of focus on on doing that. But 
we could kind of reflect and see um, if there um, if there needs to be that much um, focus on our activities, or if we couldn't balance it a little bit more to um, to from time to time, um, perhaps looking at our bell or whatever, um, you know, just some kind of simple activity that um, that we can. Uh, we can be at ease with this simplified, unified activity of mind. I remember as a as a child that um, there was this. I shared a, a room with my um, brother, and I was probably I was quite young. I was probably about five or so, and I can remember there was this spring on the the crib that would, um, if you put it at the top, it would spin down like that. And I can remember I now I don't know how long I would, but I can just remember sitting there and like spinning that. And watching, and maybe you can remember some activity as a child, just some simple activity like that. And I can remember just being totally content to sit there and do that um, over and over again. Um, it was just very relaxing and just completely content to to be there. And um, so sometimes. You know, if we can think back to our childhood to a time when we had this kind of contentment and simplicity that can help us to to um, to be more interested in practicing the uh, doing this practice of concentration because a lot of times, like with with the breath, you know, sometimes we can feel that it's um, it's boring um, it's just you know, so repetitive and um, but if we can really open um, to the, the world of the breath it can be tranquilizing and pleasant and it can um, that the mind can be quite happy doing a simple activity like being aware of the breath. with one more poem from Mary Oliver. (laughs) 
is called when I'm when I am among the trees. When I am among the trees, especially the willows and the honey locust, equally the birch, the oaks and the pines, they give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me and daily. I am so distant from the hope of myself in which I have goodness and discernment and never hurry through the world but walk slowly and bow often. Around me the trees stir in their leaves and call out, stay a while. The light flows from their branches and they call again. It's simple, they say, and you too have come into the world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.